Okay, well, I'm recording as well because we, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. And uh, people are like, hey, when are Humble and Fred back? And when are they going to get to the to the good stuff? And Dan Duran, are you okay? Technically, are you okay? Are you talking to me? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, your mic is no, very, just, your mic is too loud. Okay. It's like super loud. Really? Yeah, man. Okay. I'm going to turn it down. How about that? Is that good? Let's keep going. It's overpowering everybody. Right now, it's how bad it is. No, he's, how he's screwing with you. Oh. Yeah, I'm all serious because <laughs> no. turn it right off. Doing all things, turn it right. Just it's turn it right down. It's an old Stan Freeberg bit. I don't know if you ever heard it or not. It's a little loud. Well, that's one of those bits too that you know. You start thinking about your age, and I'm thinking, well, it doesn't sound too loud to me. What's wrong with my ears? And then, and then I realized then. it was a it was a humble Howard Caper. <laughs> <laughs> just Dan, just keep turning it down. No one, um, yeah, it's yeah. very, very. <laughs> it's too big. It's too big. It's my ears. Yeah. <clears throat> Is uh, this better now? Are you? Yeah, happy you're fine. Now? You're fine. It's All right. It's just, All it's, right, it's just overwhelming. I haven't heard your voice. I, I heard your voice on the phone last night, but. But that way, you weren't in a real state. So. <laughs> oh, that was funny. I'm surprised you answered the phone. Why didn't you just not answer the phone? I would have understood. Well, because I saw it was you. Oh, okay. Well, good. Well, yeah, it was a lovely. It was a lovely evening at the lake. Uh, me and my sweet little wife went down to a local uh, spot for a little dinner, and then wandered back and I sat out front with Dan for a couple of moments while he sipped on a was it scotch Dan I think I got that yeah there's a bit of a scotch I just thought I'd See, wrap up the I, weekend yeah I don't do the scotch thing the night before a show but you know everyone's different, <laughs> yeah, everyone's different. some everyone's people different. yeah everyone's different some people have more of a sense of responsibility when it comes to you know professionalism uh-huh. you know trying to be in the best state you can but not Dan <laughs> I was uh, signing off the weekend. There. Oh yeah, you were lovely weekend. Yeah. yeah, I hear you were out and about with your gal, with your gal pal. Yeah, I was meeting uh, you know on the gal side of things. I was meeting gal friends, <clears throat> you know, from her, you know, whatever. So went to another lake. You know, that's kind of interesting always because you compare it to the lake you're on. And it was uh, it was a lovely lake. It's another not so great, huge. Not one of these big, huge lakes, but it has lots of little vistas and bays and things like that, which I quite what, liked. What was the name of that lake, Dan? It's called Gold Lake. It's and that's about forty five minutes from our lovely lake. It is, yes. Mm. Hmm. You know, it's yeah. funny in Ontario. There's so many not gold. I thought you were going to say Clear Lake because Clear Lake seems to be ubiquitous everywhere. Like there's a Clear Lake. It seems in everyone's lake area. I had dinner on Clear Lake last night. This is what the I'm little, saying. The little place that uh, Dahl and I went to is right on Clear Lake. Yeah, so when there I, you go. When I grew up in uh, Saskatchewan, as you many, as many of you may know, but uh, the the one sort of lake my family went to, we didn't go that often, but I think we went a few times when I was a kid. Was a Clear Lake outside of Winnipeg uh, in Riding. Mountain National Park or whatever it's called. And I thought it was the only clear lake until I moved here. And there's a clear lake around every corner. <laughs> <laughs> the lake neighbors had just ran out of names, apparently. Yeah. 
There's and so another, many lakes in Ontario and in Canada. And another thing, Ontarians, I was out and about the last couple of weeks in different locales. I was in Sarnia. I've been uh, all over the province the last couple of months. Every town has a Dundas, a front. A king and a queen. A king and a queen. What are they going to do about those uh, Dundas streets all over Ontario? Yeah. Because the one in Toronto is going. Which, uh, you know, depending on what side you're on with that one, it's like, yes, he was a bad man. But you know what? Claim it was named after something else now. Just Dundas. Not him. Because yeah, apparently, bring me up to date about that. I, I know what is that one. Well, You're apparently, this Dundas guy was uh, sort of involved in the slave trade. Uh, what does that mean? I I don't know. I, I guess he bought and sold people, which isn't very nice. Well, but. I was giving you know, <laughs> when you say he was sort of involved. Like, there's how many facets? Okay, well, there's the buying and selling of slaves, but there are there like no. accessories? Was he just no, like he was, he, no? He was at the retail level. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. I wasn't actually involved in slaving, yeah. but I supplied which, to the slave trade. It was the wholesalers they didn't like. <laughs> so, but anyway, nothing to make. Listen, if you don't laugh, you'd cry. But yeah. anyway, apparently he was involved in that. And then, of course, one of those things that gained momentum in Toronto. <clears throat> and apparently Dundas Street is uh, will be no more. And then what do you do about Dundas, Ontario, and on and on and on? It's yeah. I, I think they should declare that this street is no longer named after that individual. But... Um, it would still be known as Dundas because that's going to be screwy for how, well, like every business and home has to change their address. Like, really? And I was being only partly facetious. I had forgotten that there was an actual serious topic about this. But I, I just have noticed, as you pointed out, Dan King, Queen, Front, Dundas, um, they're everywhere in Ontario. And I'm just trying to think where I was most recently. Maybe it was coming back from Sarnia. I don't know. I just noticed that. All our towns. We, we we have like five names of streets in this province. And Dundas is one of them now. Mm-hmm. I guess you just start there. And if your city gets bigger, then you have to think about it a bit more. Yeah. Well, you just, yeah, you just got to, uh, I think going forward, you, uh, you just have to stay away from naming streets after people. Because you never know what's going to come up. Right? Yeah. You never know what's in people's shady past. And now, you know, look at us. What if they named a street after us? And then years later, people were listening to this podcast and sensibilities change and attitudes <laughs> yeah. changed. And sure. Something, something we said in humor and jest in 2022 turns into something vicious and vile. And why did they name, why did they name that street Humble Howard Way? Right? Well, there's so much in there. Oh, <laughs> really? There's a lot going on in that statement. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry. A couple of things. Uh, no one's naming anything after us. And, you know, the people in the future, they're not going to come back and, and be listening to this podcast in 2022. They'd be like, oh, what were Humble and Fred all about? <laughs> yeah. Dan is... No, I was just wondering about that, too. Just say 20 years from now, what will the accessibility be to podcasts that were aired in, in 2022? Like, like, where will they go? 
Will they still be there, like forever and ever accessible, or will the you know the streamers and the aggregators have to chop some away to make room? Like, just to hang on a second, Dan. Is that the wind that we're hearing? Is that why I'm getting? It, it sounds. It, I, I apologize. Oh, maybe, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> maybe I'll, I'll just just uh, turn your mic down just for one second. No, I'm I'm being serious because like when you when Freddie was talking there, I was. Like, Okay, well, that must be what it is. There's just the rustling of the leaves on the trees. Um, what what is going to happen to all this archived material? That's a great question because at some point it'll it'll stop being stored. I mean, years after we, you think it's going to go away? It's not going to stay on a. We it, it, Dan, it exists on a server, but if our if we're no longer, you know, in a few years when we dump this thing, do you not hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear it. Okay, it, it's the the leaves and the trees. So, what's going to happen to so. the material, Dan? Is it just like not this show? We're not saving this show, but let's say <laughs> what uh, is there a mechanism by which we could save some shows? Or as soon as we're done, Ian uh, takes it off his server and it's gone. Well, I think if you take it down, it's gone. <clears throat> I think it's probably going to last as long as you kind of want it to, though. I mean. There will be yeah. a point where nobody wants some stuff, and then it just goes away, right? Okay. Just like our old tapes yeah. and uh, you know, our old. Uh, I, I think for a lot of people, that point is just just happened. <laughs> 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 and this is the yeah. point. They're like, okay, we are no longer interested in this. But you know, Howard, we've talked about this before, and again, I just mentioned you know sensibilities change, attitudes change. Like my great great grandchildren. Mm. Are they going to be able to come back to this and hear things that, again, were somewhat acceptable in 2022 and are no longer acceptable in 2065? Uh, Those thoughts go through my head. Why, I don't know, but they do. And, And people say, well, what could we have possibly said in 2022 that wouldn't be acceptable in 2065? But just look at the landscape. Yeah. Look where we're going. Who knows what that might be? Yeah, I mean, even I would say not to, you know, delve into this too deeply, but I think there's things we said in 2011 that are no longer acceptable. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the yeah. I mean, okay, the C word aside, I'm talking about just things we joked about and, right. you know, maybe bits we would have oh. leaned into in, in 2011 and 12 that we probably would stay away from now. Yeah, I don't think the C word is part of that because that's just like, oh, why do they have to use that word? I think it's more, you know, it's the other stuff. It's the yeah. With your guys' end of life planning, have you figured out uh, who's going to get your uh, who's going to get your uh, your shows in your family? <laughs> I'm not sure what that question means. <laughs> what, who's get, what, are we? Are, are you, you going to will your? Are you going to will your shows to one of your no. family, like your kids, or what no. are you going to do? We're going to be like Springsteen and a lot of those guys. We're going to sell off the archives before we die, so we can give the kids the cash. Because if they sell it, they'll be taxed on it. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, so, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. We're going to be. We'll yeah. sell the archives off to the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the highest bidder. Hey, did you hear that uh, there was a big deal made for the uh, Humble and Fred Show archives? Oh, yeah. What did it go for? Uh, I think it was uh, sixty-seven fifty and some Timbits. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Dan, do you want it? Do you want the... Maybe because you're obviously going to outlive us all. 
for reasons that are, you know, too many to go into now. But number one being, you're most favored by Jesus. Well, sh- sure. I mean, <laughs> if no one else wants them, I'll, yeah. I'll take them. You take them, Dan. <laughs> yeah. And I'll keep it for as long as I am. And then I'll, maybe I'll get Colton to, to do some... Uh, you know, I don't know, some AI work with his art and then it, it turned into another, you know, you find a way to make it uh, relevant again, maybe. You know, what's really sad is people have, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a show. and People are like, so you've had two weeks and this is what we're doing. <laughs> uh, by the way, I really enjoyed my time uh, at the lake. That was, that was very brief, but uh, doing the show from there was cool. Um, the quality, people have remarked several times to me that they thought the quality was pretty good, considering we were sitting around a picnic table out of doors. No, it was outstanding, and it was a lot of fun to do that show. And uh, we should do it again. So you came up for, uh, what was it, uh, 72 hours? 40, I can't well, remember. What, is, hours? what does the hour count have to do? I came up on a Tuesday. I left on a Thursday. That's three right, days. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was on site, on property. Right. Yeah. It was uh, really interesting, too, But be- because before he came, he spoke to you, Dan, and he spoke to Darren, and he spoke to me, and every time he talked about coming, <laughs> he said... You know, I just want to come up there and chill. He said, we don't have to golf. You know, if you guys don't want to golf, that's fine. But, you know, if you if you want to book a thing, that'll, that, that'll be cool. That's fine. But we don't have to golf. So the three of us, me, Dan, Darren, we're thinking, it sounds like he wants to golf. And yeah. then I even said to them, I think, I said, I think he wants to golf because he has a tournament the next week. And I don't think he wants to go that long without swinging a club. So I booked a foursome at Six Foot Bay. And I didn't tell you because I wanted to see how things would unfold because our attitude was, man, you golf so much. Just come up here and relax. You don't need to golf. And then lo and behold, the day before you you came, you called me and said, listen, I do not want to golf. Mm-hmm. I just want to relax, which sort of we were taken aback by that. We were under the impression that you did want to golf. So uh, we ended up just watching Humble Howard chill. Um, first of all, I don't know. I'm, let, me, let me address the golfing thing uh, just by saying that it's no, no surprise to me, um, considering just how awkward I actually am. I, I no surprise that I would have had that awkward conversation with three of you. But in the in the end, I I'm glad we didn't. If I can say that, I really enjoyed not having to golf for a couple of days, and I enjoyed just hanging out with you guys and swimming and such, and uh, taking a bath in the lake. I enjoyed that. You went on uh, my paddleboard. You seemed to enjoy that for a while. Well, that's only that stand-up paddleboard experience is very much like mm-hmm. kayaking to me. You can only do it for eight to twelve minutes. Yes, <laughs> we, went for a, we went for a boat ride. We went over oh, yeah. to Darren's. Uh, it was great. We had a couple of lovely meals. Oh yeah, was really I was telling Dan Duran last night that. Meal that Dan and Colton prepared mm-hmm. uh, was outstanding, and we talked, of course, uh, on the podcast and we did from the lake. We talked about the uh, skirt steaks that we had, and uh, yeah, it was great. Hanger steaks, hanger steaks. Mm-hmm. Are they not? Are they not also known as skirt steaks, or just there? Okay. No, I haven't heard that. Okay, I've heard butcher's cut or okay. hanger steak. All right. I found your music very loud. You guys had the music on all the time. 
<laughs> Glad you don't live here. It's very loud. It's loud. There's this constant music and Dan Duran music, and it's very loud all the time. You found mine loud? Um, just the one night that we were sitting around. I can't remember which one. It was very just a... Was, oh, the night you got all agitated. Right. Right. You know what, Dan? No more fucks to give. My fucks have run up dry. I tried to go fuck shopping, but there's no fucks left to buy. There you go. That's how we're going to start the show. Uh, let's get, epi- under, let's oh. get underway, Dan. Let's do it. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the Humble and Fred studios in Toronto and on the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Health Gauge, and DraftKings. And now here are two men whose brains have atrophied since the last time they did this show. So expect less smart stuff along with their complaining and farting jokes. Ah, come it's on. Humble and Fred. Come on now. Yeah, we are a little rusted. It happens. We'll sharpen up. You know, we're only a month away from uh, things getting serious again. I don't know if you noticed, uh, as I did, there was a bit of a chill in the air today. I don't know how the calendar knows, but it does. You know, here we are, the uh, 2nd of August. And uh, took Stan out this morning, Dan and Fred, and it was, uh, yeah, just a little bit of that humidity is gone. And although Freddie was saying that uh, you were telling me before the show that we're going to get well, I read this really morning. Warm. According to the Weather Network, August will be a hot month with short shots of cool weather, but uh, generally a hot month. Um, so whatever that means, what is hot for August? But. Um, I know last week it was very hot in the city, but somewhat, it never really got super hot up here at all, which was fine. Yeah. It's a really a comfortable day, day, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was uh, very windy here on the weekend, and probably the windiest it's been uh, golf-wise for a while, because when it gets so humid, it's almost like that air mass stalled over us. And then when the mass moves, you know, we got a bit of weather last night. We had some rain here. But all weekend long, it was, uh, you know, gusting, you know, 40-something. But uh, still was pretty warm. But this is the first day I can recall. I don't know about you fellows. Uh, Dan, you're sitting outside. But yeah. there's, it's almost like some of that heat has been sucked out of the air for a bit. But uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want it to go away. I'm not ready for fall yet. On windy days when you're golfing, do you have special golf balls that you use for windy? Yes, days? they're heavier. <laughs> <laughs> Are the and, dimples uh, different? Yes, the era. Yes, what you do is a lot of people, Dan, they just take some sandpaper and shave down the dimple pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, ridiculous. So, is this the segment where we sort of drift into the issues of the day? Uh, I listen. I'm ready to. I'm. You know what? I'm ready to go. Anyway, because okay. I had this conversation, and you, and you know, we're on golf. Um, yeah, go ahead. Just disgusted over the weekend. Yeah. This live golf tour, you know, and then Trump hosts it at his his golf course, whatever one that Trump is. Trump Bedminster. Is that New Jersey? Yeah. Okay. And then, I, as I said to Dan yesterday, and Dan can confirm that I said this to him. Please, Dan, confirm please confirm. Well, confirm that he was going to talk about this on today's show. I, I uh-huh. said, like, how, how is that guy not a pariah? 
Like, you have Dustin Johnson, like, standing there talking to him, golfing with him, and then Gretzky's bimbo daughter there, like, you know, all googly-eyed and giggling beside Donald Trump and all these other sycophants. And I'm thinking, here's a guy that actually tried to change the total course of the country. Rob you of democracy is so obvious now. How is he not a pariah? I, 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 ju- I don't understand it. it of, of all the countries... You know that that beats its chest about democracy and freedom. I, I I'm at a loss, Howard. I'm at a loss. Well, I know that part of what your your opening statement is uh, rhetorical in nature. You're asking the question on behalf of yeah. all of us, right? But I, I it's funny because I had written down Trump live golf. Tucker Carlson interviewed Greg Norman about the league, and if you'll recall, a few months ago, and it was kind of in passing, I said, "Hey, there's this story." That is going to become huge in sports. Mm-hmm. And I said, this was when it, even before they had started actually playing uh, this series of tournaments. And I said, you watch, this thing is going to become the biggest sports story of the year. And it has for a, a, a bunch of reasons. But let me just park that and, and answer your question this way. Because I also wrote down the following. People in Wyoming. And this was CNN. This wasn't some jokey, jokey guy from the Comedy uh, Central. A CNN reporter went to Wyoming and and talked to people there and interviewed them about their response to Liz Cheney. And I can only tell you the reason that all those people were siding up to Trump and making, you know, exciting to be around the 45th president is because of the response from those voters in Wyoming. They think Liz Cheney is the villain in all of this and they're not going to vote for her. And it's about a minute and 40 seconds. I didn't grab it, but I, I was listening to it this morning before you signed on. And I thought, well, that's the reason, because those people in Wyoming think Liz Cheney is the is in the wrong. And if nothing, she's she's a great American hero. Yeah. That's exactly that's what she is. And that's the frustrating part of it. You know, even at, on the weekend, Trump saying, you know, they never did get to the bottom of 9-11. Well, sorry, they sort of did. Fifteen of the guys were Saudis. So... He never. He says he says that stuff, and nobody challenges him. If he says that in the room, how do you not walk out? If you're one of the guests there with a champagne in your hand, you know, hobnobbing with all the celebrities, like how do you not just want to leave? He actually said that. He said it in front of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. There's an eight-minute interview on the... I'm not, I guess that's on Fox, but I saw it on uh, social media of Tucker Carlson interviewing Greg Norman. And and Greg Norman does a pretty good job of explaining, you know, what they're doing and, and how it's going to grow and where the, where it's heading. And it's not going away anytime soon. But at some point around the five-minute mark, Tucker Carlson mentions the 9-11 families. Or not, sorry, that's not mm-hmm. true. Let me, let me back up. Mentions something about... The Saudis and their reputation, and Norman just says, "You know, I don't care about that stuff. I'm, you know, that's that's not part of, you know, it, it's not an issue for him." So once you accept that it's not an issue, because he makes a pretty good point. There's 26 sponsors, uh, big sponsors on the PGA Tour that do about 40 billion dollars worth of business with the Saudis, mm-hmm. and so that's their argument, and it's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. The pushback against that is. Those companies are doing business with Saudi companies, but they're, this tour is sponsored directly by the Saudi government. And that's the, 
do you see the distinction there or, or there that's the distinction no no, no. I, I totally understand that because there's always when you scratch below the surface there's you're always going to come up with those stories and I get it but the, the reason I presented this today really has nothing to do with any of that other than people are socializing with a guy who tried to bring down the country yeah everything that it stands for that's my I don't care if it had been a, a fashion show or a or one of his beauty pageants like the thing is people went and socialized with this guy who to my mind again should be a pariah should be he should be you know public enemy number one in the United States for what he no, did and he's not it's weird <laughs> It is weird, and and what's weird is it's like, uh, and I had written that down too. It's like there's this, there's there's the you know they, there's this famous uh, thing you know Canada's two solitudes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're seeing in the in America. There's two Americas now. Mm-hmm. There's the one like those voters in Wyoming that believe Liz Cheney is a witch hunt, and you know they. Mm-hmm. they it's, what's weird, you know, what's weird about those voters, and I should have grabbed the clip because it's almost like they've been given talking points. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have. And where they've gotten those talking points is from Fox News. Because they're parroting all the things the, the right-wing media says. It's a witch hunt. If it was a, you know, they're talking about it being a trial. There's no defense. There's no cross-examine. Mm-hmm. Like, these are just everyday people saying those things. Well, a week from this morning, I will be opening this microphone from Annapolis, Maryland, which is just south of Baltimore. And uh, when we do the show next Tuesday, I will have been probably to a couple of social gatherings um, in Annapolis. Like our buddy John Ellison, who was on the show you know, during the run-up to the election, I believe, whatever it was. Um, a Democrat from that area. We're going to his house and staying for a few days. And <clears throat> it's crab fest. And he's having a big party at his house, 40, 50 people. For steam crabs, looking forward to it. But part of me is thinking, like, what is what? What am I going to hear there? What type of conversations will be had there? Again, John's the type of guy. I imagine the people that he hangs with are normal, thinking, functioning people. But at the same time, what do you do when you're on American soil and you're standing there having a beer and you start talking to somebody who's promoting all the shit? You just what you have to do is walk away you just do yeah I, and i yeah i mean you know when we were kids what would they used to say dan like the three subjects you don't want to engage with or politics religion what's the third one sex for dan it's hockey yeah <laughs> sports any sports but what is it it's politics religion and something else but uh, maybe that and and mm. you're not going to run into uh, a whole bunch of MAGA people at the at the party. I can't. But, but if it happens, no. you just kind of say, "Well, I'm at a party." What you may run into, though, even with people that are centrist or lean to the left, is maybe some. If it comes up that you're from Canada, ignorance of Canada. But again, you just sort of bite your tongue with that, or you joke around with it a bit. But uh, we'll see. You know. But back to your original point about Donald Trump at this live golf event and this whole Saudi-backed golf league. And, you know, we can park the golf discussion for another time. Because as I said to you a couple months ago, this thing is, at first, was going to be the biggest story in golf. And now, 
uh, because of the political association is going to be one of the biggest sports stories of the year. Because I don't know if you heard this as well. It was confirmed that these guys offered Tiger Woods mm-hmm. <laughs> seven to $800 million, Dan, to join. What? Yes. Wow. Nearly a billion dollars. Now, Tiger, here's the cool thing. Tiger has already made a billion dollars. But even if, see, that's the thing is, uh, and this, this golf thing has come up around my, my friends a lot in the golf world. You know, would you take the money or what about that guy? And my, my thinking is always this. I've never been offered life-changing money. No, neither have you two. So no matter who you are, if somebody offers you 30 or 40 million, it's hard to turn that down. Even if Tiger already, my point is, if you already have a billion and somebody's offering you another one, it's a tough number to turn down. It is, because even though he has enough money to last several Tiger Wood generations, um, you know, you, how do you help but think even beyond that? You know, be in a position to say, you know, anyone related to me or my children or my grandchildren is going to be fine for the rest of their lives as far as... For the rest of time. For pretty much the rest of time. I mean, that's a pretty good legacy to establish, but, you know, to Tiger's credit, you know, he he doesn't want it. He, it, he figures he doesn't need it or he doesn't carry that responsibility. Whatever it is, you know, he like the other guys chose to go, he chose not to go. When the WHA came into being, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this as it relates to this golf disruption, when it came into effect, they offered Bobby Hull an enormous amount of money at the time, a million dollars for five years. No one had ever been paid. Mm-hmm. So... In, in in that situation, it was guys not really getting paid what they're worth, right? And and all of a sudden, this came along. But in the in the case of guys like Phil Mickelson and DJ and all these guys, they were already worth tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. So, it, like they're they were already set up for the rest of their lives and generations to come. But even so, let's say you're Dustin Johnson, you were already worth 60 million. These guys just offered you 150 million more dollars. Hard for us, to, easy for us to go, well, yeah, legacy, blah, 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 majors, blah, blah, blah. But I, I've been defending them by saying, I don't care how much money you're worth. If somebody offers you 125 million or whatever it was, how do you say no to that? Well, exactly. And it becomes easier if you want to accept that money to find the hypocrisy through it, like you were talking about Greg Norman. You know, you want to talk about the Saudis? Like, come on. Yeah. Look, at they've got, they, they, you know, the PGA has Saudi stink all over it. So of course it does. It becomes easier to come up with those stories. It really does. So um, there's my fridge is making a noise. Can you hear that? Yeah, I can hear your fridge. It's still, because uh, it was making a noise when I was there. Uh, for, I'm going to able to fix it. <laughs> Excuse me while I bang the door. Dan. Yes. You're a man of uh, the people. <laughs> yes, I am a man of the people. I'm one of the people. You know, do you understand that there's the Saudi royal family has put up billions of dollars from... There, I keep forgetting the name of the fund. It's a, a fund. But, but they, they, there's this term, sports washing. Have you heard that in your world, Dan? Is that? Yes, I have. Okay. Yes, I have. Yeah. 
So that's another argument against this, that it's just the Saudis trying to cleanse their image around the planet. But back to our discussion of this tournament was happening in New Jersey, so not very far from Ground Zero. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of the families of 9-11 victims were protesting at this thing and putting out videos because again it's one thing you know the PGA Tour and the uh, PGA the Tour in Europe have Saudi golf tournaments the they they have a couple of tour stops the Saudi International again it's not the Saudi government but uh that was the part that I, I thought they were going to have trouble deflecting, which is 9-11 families saying, hey, do you remember a bunch of Saudis flew planes into these buildings? But somehow they uh, sports washed their way through that. And not to be cold, but when does that end? And then people reply, well, that Saudi prince is a little bit of an outlaw himself. Forget about 9-11 and what he may have been responsible for. So you know again it goes on and on but what do you you know and another part of this story is issues with the PGA like you know everybody where they work has a problem or issues or would like to see things change and maybe there's underlying things with the PGA that a lot of these guys have made the decision earlier you know made the decision easier 100% Um, and there's no, there's no like, again, without delving into the minutia of the sport itself, there's mm-hmm. a lot about the tour, the right. PGA Tour, that needed changing. And, you know, and Norman, again, I'm not a huge Greg Norman fan, but, and, and it's the, the, the fucking Tucker Carlson and that cackling, weird laugh of his. But, no, but Norman does make some good points. And he's been a thorn in the side of this tour for a long time because he's wanted to expand it, the the reach of the game. Obviously, to his own, he's you know he's got to be making hundreds of millions as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Dan, yes, you're a very nice fellow. We got to get some uh, stuff going here. We got to. I forgot that our you know of course this program is brought to you by some nice people. All right. Well, you go do that. I'll so we're going to do that. Dan, will you be favoring ready, us yeah. with some news later? Do you I have got news? Some news ready to go? Yeah. Well, because it's been a while. Mm, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Dan Duran's news coming up. Ralph Ben Mergy is our first guest back today. We're going to chat with uh, Rabbi Ralph about all things. And Ralph can always put things in perspective. Uh, I'll tell you about a uh, something I did. I that you get you chastised me for, and I was so uh, nervous to tell you this other thing that I did that I know you're going to chastise me for as well. Because um, I helped a friend move, and you, and you were rightly in, in your reaction. Your reaction was bang on, which was, yeah. "What are you doing?" Way too old. Yeah. Um, way too old. Way too old. But uh, first, let's uh, say hi to these people. Well, let's say hi to the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, as a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, uh, Timmy, we haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks. And uh, again, the markets have been up and down. Crazy, isn't it? Just like a toilet seat, Howard. Up Mm. and down and up and down. And things aren't as bad as we thought they uh, may get. That's for sure. But if you have a portfolio, you want somebody to have a second look at it, you know, just make sure you're on the right track. Tim will do it. No strings attached. Uh, Seriously, he'll have a look. And if he says, hey, you're on the right track, that's it. Uh, But he may tell you that uh, it needs some work. And then you want to come over to his side. Both sides of the border. Yes, he's licensed on both sides of the border. He's Tim Niblett, the retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. 
And uh, this program is brought to you by GoDaddy. GoDaddy. Powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. If you have a great idea for a small business or a side hustle, maybe it's that brilliant idea you've been dreaming about and sitting on for a while, or that online store you've been wanting to finally launch and start selling your products well. Let me tell you, there's no better time than now to get it online. You can find your domain, create your website with GoDaddy, and finally bring it to life with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support. They're also here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy today and try it out. No credit cards even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Here's how... uh, So I told you about the voters in Wyoming. And now tying sports back into politics. I don't even know where to start with this guy, but Herschel Walker, Mm -hmm. who once... uh, threatened to put a gun up he he, he once threatened uh, I think his wife or his girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. put a gun to her head said he was going to blow her head off <clears throat> has been on, been on there's audio of him talking about uh, how satisfying it would be to kill a man because he was late delivering his car to him not to mention excuse me not to mention the explanation of Herschel Walker taught last week or the week before talking about how the air moves between mm-hmm. America mm-hmm. and China but here's what's really scary is that Herschel Walker is just a little bit behind uh, the person he's running against in Georgia. In fact, is leading with Republican men. Mm-hmm. Is leading with a group of individuals who think he's fit to represent them in, uh, in Congress. Yeah, he's, and he's a moron. Sorry. He's a moron. And... Uh, and the reason he's in the position he is is because he's endorsed by the guy who should be a pariah. Yeah, is that crazy or what? I, I know, I know. We, I mean, we could go on for hours, and we we often do. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's almost too much to comprehend. But to hear him talk, it's like, wow, you want this guy representing you there? Like, wow, just wow. Yeah. And then, and, and again, I know we tend to lean on this stuff, but it's because we find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got these people in Wyoming who, who I, and I think history, you, you, you had spoken about it earlier too, but I was going to say, you know, in 2065, we won't be around, but they'll be looking back at Liz Cheney as a, as a true hero. It's just unfortunate that we won't be around to see that when that happens. But those people in Wyoming, and I almost, mm-hmm. I almost wanted to just, you just want to talk to one of them and say, okay, I wanted to just pause the interview and say, hey, can I just ask you a question? Do you really believe that Donald Trump is the guy you think he is? Like, as I, I find that part fascinating. Uh, yeah. Um, and again, you know, she like what more like she represents everything America is supposed to be country first. Just think about that. What she's doing, she's putting her country first. And that is supposed to be the, the, that's supposed to be America's signature. And and she's paying for it that way. Right. Like, talk about an upside down world. Yeah. The, the guy running against Herschel Walker, uh, 
there was a video I saw that was sort of juxtaposing uh, Herschel Walker talking about him, all this nonsense, and he's an idiot, uh, with this other guy. I think his name is Warnock. I, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But he said an interesting thing. He said, I don't want to be a politician. I want to be a public servant. And I thought that's an interesting perspective on the idea of running for office. Because all those, the irony, and we've said this a billion times now, the irony is that the people who thought Trump and that group was going to drain the swamp of all the politicians, they're the most politicians of all. They're the ones draining these voters of their money and of their attention and of their Mm -hmm. goodwill and on and on and on and it's almost like what do we maybe we're wrong <laughs> you know well no we aren't again because we're you know we're sort of like uh you know we can step back and look we're not totally involved in it another spin to this <clears throat> you talk about the far right down there if you'd have said to me 10 years ago eight years ago <clears throat> maybe five or six years ago we should regulate uh, the Internet. I would have said you're crazy. I don't think. No, absolutely not. No, that's precious. Leave that alone. I'm sorry. Now I'm in the position where regulating the Internet like I've got room for that. Now, let's see what you got. What yeah. is the plan? And the reason that we need to regulate the Internet is because of all the people screaming that we shouldn't. They've taken it and they've they've destroyed it with misinformation and just downright evil. Yeah. And that's why we're in this position now where we have to look at regulating <laughs> the Internet. It's your fault. It's their fault. It's nobody else's fault. Don't blame liberals and commies. Blame yourself. Look in the mirror. You're the reason it needs to be done. I, I did, didn't we have I can't remember. We had this discussion during a, a chat at your place or and we had a long the, the oh, we had great talks. we had long yeah. talks oh, the talks. thursday morning I, we both all three of us sort of woke up and just basically did a four-hour show in your ad room but we've talked about this on the show before mm-hmm. which is you know we all grew up in a world where media or the media we were involved in radio and television and newspapers were all yeah. regulated there were mm-hmm. rules uh, of conduct, broadcast standards, and the idea of the internet being a free for all um, was fine. When remember mm-hmm. when it began, that was before there was a thing called social media. Yes, maybe Ben Murgy has a thought about this. Um, mm-hmm. And I was with you. I think a lot of us at the beginning were like, "Well, no, don't regulate the internet. That's part of its charm." Mm-hmm. But it needs to be regulated to the same degree of standards that the rest of the media mm-hmm. is has been for a long time. Ralph Ben Murgy, what say you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'll do the uh, in, I'll do your big intro in a second. Yeah, it, I'm gonna I'm do a little no I'm do a little preview. Nothing. I'm getting there. I just right now it's a little preview, and then I'm gonna say slap on the back. You just of the head. you just come in, and then I'll bring you in for real. All, all right, I like it. Um, I think social media is an amplification of mainstream media's uh, uh, trend, which has been going on for years, which is the over-representation of violence and conflict uh, because it, it gains attention. Mm-hmm. And the algorithms in, in social media favor um, right-wing, uh, hard view, um, anger, 
mm-hmm. uh, stuff, uh, far greater representation of that than of getting along, saying nice things. And news has always been a representation of the really freaky things that happen around the world today. You don't say, you know, Fred went to the corner store and got some milk unless mm-hmm. the store blew up just after he left it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So we so if, if I read a paper about any place, any city in North America or anywhere, I wouldn't go to that city because, you know, at Brimley and so and so somebody got stabbed in the head, you know, and it's just like I'm not going there. So we've we've already been in that world for quite a long time. And now with social media and the lack of regulation you guys are talking about, um, I mean, there's two things. The craft is falling apart because there's no rigor to it. You don't have to be responsible to an editor. You just turn on your iPod, your your uh, your laptop and you've got a podcast. Um, But. Uh, it's part of a much bigger problem. Social mm-hmm. media itself is a much, I mean, the addiction rate alone, I mean, the algorithms are based on gambling rhythms in Vegas. That's, that's really, what, yeah, that's what scrolling is about is yeah. reward, incremental reward for staying and growing and, and raising yourself up. So there you are for 15 minutes because you're bored and, but, and I'm just as guilty on Twitter uh, reading a bunch of angry people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Ralph, it has been around a long time. As you say, mainstream media traditionally, you know, it's all about bad news. But we used to get it like at 6 o'clock at night for an hour, and that was it. Or maybe 11 o'clock at night if you stayed up, and that was it. You didn't carry it around with you in your pocket all the time. And there wasn't that free access to to dish out the misinformation. So although mainstream media was negative most of the time because that sells, it it was at least a little more accurate than things are now. Well, yes, but you also, I mean, I think there's so many layers to this because mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at what mainstream media sells you, I was saying this to, to, uh, to my wife yesterday, that I, I remember I was working on Midday, a CBC network show, uh, current affairs show, and at a story meeting, I pitched a story that I'd seen in Now Magazine. And they looked at me like I was nuts. Like, you would actually take a story from Now Magazine? Mm. And it, it was like, so it has to be in the Globe and Mail or else it's not news, it's not real. Right. And, they, and every, you know, this whole, I, you know, when I joined the CBC, I thought, you know, I'm a lefty, there'll be tons of lefties. Mm. It was a very corporate environment. It was very right of center. It, 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 was it, it is, really? Oh, absolutely. And it always has been. Mm. Because... Risk adversity is what large corporations are about, regardless sure. of what they sell themselves as. But right? me, you guys work for a big radio station. Certain yeah. things were not going to be said or done. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, but I want, I want to get back, and then I'm going to introduce our guest today. Um, so having said what you guys have said about, you know, and Fred, you know, you're right. There was the 6 o'clock news, and you had to choose to go and get it. You didn't have it with you while you're waiting in traffic. You could scroll some news. But back to the idea, as we said at the beginning, all those things we've worked in, uh, radio, television, and newspapers, there were regulations around it as far as the vitriol and what you could say. The deregulated Internet, the social media of our time, is so convoluted now and so distorted because of our person. And, and we did it, you know, because the Internet just feeds us what we want. 
You know, this morning getting ready for the show, I'm, I follow a lot of people that are outraged by Trump. So all I saw was a bunch of outraged by Trump stuff from the weekend's golf tournament at his at his golf course. So maybe there's got to be some kind of regulation around it so that you can't just make crazy ass claims and have it come out as though it were news. Is that possible, Ralph? Well, you're not paying these people. When you pay people, they have to discipline is easier. Right. You know, if you're a provincial government or federal government and you have power, all kinds of people who are in your party will do what you say because you have power. If you have no power, (laughs) you have no discipline. So in social media, you're not paying me and I can swear and I can say horrible things about people. I make a real point of not swearing ever on social media. Mm-hmm. Because I, when I'm walking down the street and somebody starts swearing, mm-hmm. I find it jarring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm just like, wow, that person just said the F word. And it's not like I don't swear in my life. I do. Mm-hmm. But in public life, it's become normal to say the most horrible things about, even in sports, like, you know, that guy's an idiot, he's a stupid ass. And you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, like, who are mm-hmm. you? <laughs> so when you're talking social media, you're including podcasts in that, just to be clear, right? Yeah, because, mm-hmm. you know, they are. How, do we, how do we sell mm-hmm. them? You know, how, how was my appearance today sold? It was sold on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, right. of course. Uh, so so you, do you think it's possible to to regulate? Like, what would that model look like? We're regulating the Internet. Like, so how do you do that? And how do you discipline? And how do you <laughs> well, get it? Who, who, who owns social media? Uh, do you have the people who own Twitter set up a whole editorial department that decides what, what gets to go on? It's, it's, it's the monsters out of the box. No, no, for sure. But if you own a newspaper, you're, you get to decide what kind of discourse is allowed or allowable on your platform. But yeah, that but five five corporations own all media in yeah. North America. So we, we we have this illusion that it's a free press, for instance. It's nonsense. It's right. Plus, they have a finite. They have a like sort of a finite number of employees. Social yeah, media, it's it's there's. What no, do you do? Fire somebody from Twitter? No, but well, but there. But Trump. when you sign up, well, yeah, yeah. But there are. You know, I know no yeah, one's ever. I know what you're saying. No one's yeah. ever read them, but there are regulatory. There are rules of engagement for all mm-hmm. those platforms. But listen, before we before we have to say goodbye to you today, let's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like Steve Glassman. Yeah. I was going to do it. I was this close to like just letting the whole thing go and then just introduce you just before we say goodbye. I just couldn't hang on because of my immature petulance. Ladies and gentlemen, now please welcome back to our program an author, a broadcaster, a spritzer, a counselor. He does workshops. He does podcasts. You know him from uh, our... uh, our, one of our favorites, not that kind of Raboy. 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 Nice lady. Lady. Please say hi Ralph. to Rabbi. <laughs> Raboy. Ralph and Ben Mergus. <laughs> he's an ordained spiritual counselor and he's also a huge friend of our show. And uh, that's uh, one of the. We're on holiday. Yeah, man. We've, uh, we haven't been doing much last. Uh, Good. A few weeks, we've taken a lot of time off, and uh, yeah, July, August for us are pretty slow months. 
It's because we're old so, now, Ralph. We can't yeah, be. Well, Fred, Fred played golf and you played with the grandkids. Isn't that the right <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the upside down world. Yeah, the upside down world. That's right. <laughs> that's what happened. I was playing. Fred actually is a professional highlight player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, so there's that. There's the internet. Uh, Ralph's book, uh, we've talked quite a bit about it. His uh, book is, uh, I believe, called I Thought, I thought he, was he Dead. I Thought He Was Dead. Yes. But he is very much alive, uh, and he's here with us today. It's been a while. How's your summer? How is, uh, you've got uh, children. You've got children from marriage one. You've got children from marriage two. Is it a busy time for a, a Zeta like yourself? Yes, I've got grandchildren. Um, yeah, my uh, 13-year-old is at a zoo camp where he's, they just sent a picture of him with a very large parrot on his arm and uh, he's feeding lions but not in the cage which is very i'm sorry is that zoo camp is that what yeah, you said how does that work <laughs> uh you you learn a lot about the uh, they're all rescue animals so you learn a lot about the animals themselves and their lives and you feed them and you wow. clean cages and you have relationships with other people who are interested in and loving animals so it's a mm. very cool thing he loves yeah. animals that and way. does he stay there like overnight yeah, yeah, like at over, that type yeah. of camp wow so yeah for a week and then we're going to uh out to the maritimes for a couple of weeks yeah i mean it was a pretty crazy first half of the year for me with politics and the green party and and then i did uh some, i do these tv shows for yes tv so i did 13 more of those and we had our kids bar mitzvah, so it was pretty nutty. And I'm rebooting Not That Kind of Rabbi with a friend of mine uh, who's going to co-host once in a while, and if not often, uh, Avram Rosenzweig, who's a great guy. Uh, used to run Via Hafta in Toronto, which was street working good deeds. Uh, so he and I are going to do it together for a while, see how that goes. And uh, yeah, it's been, uh, I've gotten to just slow down a bit. Yeah. Slow down a bit. And I'm working on a new book. So And what will that be about? It's going to be I think I'm gonna call it Stars in the in the uh, Stars in the Water. Because uh someone I was speaking to who grew up out in the country said that she used to sit on the edge of the of the little lake they lived at and at night the stars would be reflected in the water. Mm-hmm. And uh so I'm I'm gonna do it about uh in the environmental movement and spirituality because I think it's a spiritual crisis that we're treating the earth the way we are that we just don't see this place as home and sacred we see ourselves as separate from it mm-hmm. and it's for our use period mm-hmm. and and after years of trying to get through to people that we are in serious trouble I just I'm at a loss for, you know, we just can't seem to do anything. We're paralyzed by our way of life and mm-hmm. by our consumption and by everybody and everything being of use to us, period. Um, do so you feel I'm less hopeful now? Uh, I'm getting there. Uh, I do, I'm writing the book because I don't want to feel like that. But I, just the idea that, you know, I mean... The last provincial election to see someone who literally has done nothing but harm the environment for his four years in power and not give a damn as long as you can give people what they want today. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the way they've always thought they should have it. Uh, And he gets in total of all the people who could vote in Ontario, 18 percent of people voted for him. 
and he ends up with a, a massive majority and will do nothing on the environment for four more years. You know, that might surprise a few people because, again, when you start talking about the environment and we're losing hope and beyond uh, the point of no return, it makes people uncomfortable. So they almost want to change the subject because it's an awful thing to think about. So when you say that about Doug Ford, how, what did he do to harm the environment over those four years? Because even I don't know enough about that. Yeah, well, uh, some of the things was he, he stripped away environmental protections as much as he possibly could with this thing called M- MZOs, which really is taking um, things like environmental um, assessments and throwing them out the window for the sake of development. He's forcing cities to push out their boundaries and eat up farmland. He's making a highway for $10 billion that saves 30 seconds on the commute. The Liberals looked at it before the, uh, he was in power and said, this is ridiculous. It's 10 billion bucks. For and you're creating with asphalt and concrete that most polluting kind of environment you can. And his answer literally when it was, what are you going to do about, you know, how are the, uh, building these highways and all that? What are you going to do about the climate? He goes, you know, the best thing is to build more highways so that people don't have to get stuck in traffic and have to smell each other's fumes. Right. That was his mm-hmm. answer to climate change. But, yeah, but answer this. That wasn't a classic no. moment. No. I mean, a classic moment. That was just <laughs> reprehensible. It, but, but back to what we said about what, what Fred was talking about, people hear the environment and what can yeah. I do? And then they start to kind of, you know, it makes them feel bad. And so mm-hmm. they, they turn away. But what about about this? Back to Ford, though. Don't we get the what's that saying? You get the you get the politics or you get the you get the representation that you deserve. So he he clearly um, is those 18 percent, whatever. He's speaking to enough people that went, yeah, okay, sure. Highways. Well, what Ralph said, 18 percent. And, you know, as much blame has to be placed on the liberals for, you know, the, uh, the they didn't put up much of a fight with well, their leader or their platform. So. Yeah, no, granted, but mm-hmm. he had no platform for the second election in a row. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, look what he's doing with nurses. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. But the thing is, uh, people. So the corporations that pollute the most had uh, the oil companies. Uh, about I don't know, about ten, twelve years ago, started a campaign of you knowing your carbon footprint, right? How do, you regi- how do you record and know your carbon footprint? What they were doing was shifting the responsibility for saving the planet from themselves to you. So here you are, you know, sorting your garbage to try to make sure you've put the right thing in the right bin, yeah. feeling bad about how you're living your life because you, there's no subsidies on electric vehicles. And they're, they're, you know, if even if you wanted one, you'd have to wait a year and a half. And the corporations continue to create packaging that is highly polluting plastics that are in your fish while you're eating them. Uh, you know, they have black styrofoam, which can't be recycled because the camera can't see it on a conveyor belt. So what they've done, and by the way, they spent a hundred million dollars a year in advertising to get you to say, this is your problem. You fix it. Not our problem because th- what they do and, and the amount. So, even to get a tomato to your fridge, the amount of things that go on that are so highly polluting and toxic, just to get a, a, a tomato with almost no nutritional value into your fridge. That's the world we're living in. And 
the entire thing is predicated on advertising, which makes a person feel inadequate. You can only advertise if I don't feel like I have enough. If, if I have enough, I'm not going to need your product. Right. You don't even make things that last more than four years. You know, so it's it's a crazy world, and we're responsible personally. For so before we give up, so before we give up hope, and yeah. you know, and again, it's hard to have conversations with people who don't believe these wildfires and weather patterns. So we're not going to get those people because they don't think that they don't see that we're that we're causing those things. They're just saying their argument is those things have always happened. So before you lose hope, or we lose hope. And, you know, again, I I started thinking about the gas prices and gas companies and recording, you know, incredible profits. We've all been paying more more for gas than we ever have in my memory. And yet they're the top three companies in Canada had, again, record profits. So federal and subsidies, provincial and federal. Okay, so I'll start again by saying before we lose hope, what can what can the average person even like? It's almost like we can't do anything if they're going to blame us for this problem then how will it ever change well don't turn turn your guns away from from yourselves each other and the politicians and start realizing that it's the corporate world that runs the world start realizing that the lobbyists who walk in those doors and have major influence and do major fundraising for political parties um, are the ones calling the shots and start making them start making them squirm and them change you know, if we lead as people, they will follow the politicians. Politicians follow the parade, run in front of it when they think it's really going, you know, because it's a lot less risky than running in front and saying, come on, everybody, join mm-hmm. me. So so <laughs> what is the strategy there? Stop buying their products? So then it does come back to us. Uh, well, we have some power there, but we have to start realizing that what we're what we've become is people turning on each other. So a, a convoy supporter mm-hmm. is somebody who feels that they've lost their privilege in this society and they're mm-hmm. furious about it, right? Because they feel entitled. A person who's who's going to get a house thinks they should get their own single family dwelling, even mm-hmm. though they're lonely in their, in their house trying to raise a family by themselves, right? So we have to start being just awake, first of all, just... Uh, realize, be critical in our thinking about media, be critical in our thinking about products and commercials. When I was with all four of my kids, when it, it, whenever the only thing they'd see commercials on was on a, a, a Blue Jays game, right? Mm-hmm. But whenever I'd see them, I'd make fun of every single commercial. So the Ford F-150, I'd start talking like the guy. Real man <laughs> by the truck, the Ford 150, the Dodge Rams for weak men. You know, mm-hmm. and then we just they'd start doing it. They'd start making parodies of these of these commercials. But you like back to your point about social media, we believe we have this wide range of thought going on in our society. We don't. We're in a very narrow little gap mm-hmm. where things are talked about. There's so many things that aren't being talked about and so many ways of seeing that are subversive. It's like the the resurgence of uh, psychedelics now, mm-hmm. right? So in, they were outlawed because they were subversive to the idea of a material mm-hmm. world. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, I get it. We're part of a cosmic joke. 
We're right. part of this whole unity of everything. Right. And they were like, no, no, we won't be having any of that. Just yeah, shut we up. Don't, we go. don't want our minds to expand beyond okay. this uh, paradigm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but, right? but let's just be clear here, because the politicians are never going to screw with the corporations, because if jobs are lost, then it ends up in the ballot box and on and on and on. So what do we, how do we combat the corporation. So if you have a plastics company, isn't the best line of defense stop buying plastic? Like, I, I, I don't know how it's going to... Yeah. Like, I, like I, I sort of agree with the... You know, we are responsible because we that that is the way we can fight back by not buying their products, but we do. Okay, so you, my thing is change the playing field, not the player. Okay. If you're asking me how to get out of this when all the the whole game is rigged against getting out of it. Right. And really, it's a much... Look, this is about... You want the inconvenience of turning on this now? Because the only uh-huh. way this is really going to change is catastrophe. Yes. Yeah. You know, when Miami actually goes underwater, <laughs> then you'll have migrants from Florida coming north. We're going to have resource wars. Like, these things are going to happen... And, and maybe the human condition is until it's catastrophe. And even then, it's about resilience. Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I saw this quote somewhere on the last couple of weeks about pain makes change. Like, like mm. you, like, because mm. all right, even though, it, again, because people forget. So we didn't always have fires like this. We didn't always have this kind of change in the weather so it happens so it's like that frog in the the boiling water you know we're not quite aware of it and so maybe you're right maybe it has to be so big that people can't ignore it but having said that we saw a bunch of people go to the capitol on january 6 and and cause a riot slash insurrection and yet there's a huge amount of people in the in america that don't believe it happened yeah so a huge amount of people that do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, what, and we so don't hear we fo- from them. No. What mm-hmm. we focus on is the people who run around screaming, this never happened. I you know, a, a convoy in Canada where we're supposed to pretend that there were just a few bad apples. Right. When they had Nazi flags and, mm-hmm. you know, F. Oh, Trump know. and F. Trudeau, and they still have them. Uh, I think the, the, the real thing is, do, do we stay asleep and just let this all happen? Uh, or do and say, oh, you know, it's the young people. They're going to do it for us. Right. Yeah, that's morally reprehensible yeah. to tell people I've screwed you completely. But to me, to my point about my own idea of a new book, it's we also have no spiritual relationship with this planet. That a- a- animal life, plant life, our relations with each other are not sacred. They're all about what can I get from you and what can I get from it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to pull the many. Imagine if people who made a refrigerator were responsible for the entire refrigerator being made of recyclable material and recyclable product, and that they had to have a guaranteed lifespan. Right now, you buy a crappy fridge. Mm-hmm. I have a horrible fridge that I bought five, six years ago, and it's the, the, the side door things are falling off. Yep. It's just a piece of crap. Yep. And it used to be that when you built a fridge, it was supposed to last 25 years. Yes, and they did. Right, but now... And a washer just, and dryer, too. Right, so we yeah. have to demand these things from, mm-hmm. from, from the people who... And, and by the way, we in the northern part of the world aren't feeling climate change in its true power. 
it's the southern part of the world that is already suffering deeply mm-hmm. from climate change drought famine floods fires no infrastructure to stop any of this here if it's 40 tomorrow with the humidex you just turn up your air conditioning yeah. mm-hmm. and suck more power you know yeah. we per capita yeah. use more power in canada than anyone in yes. the world mm-hmm. in the world we eat 150 pounds of meat a year mm-hmm. i mean if we're not going to wake up then that's yeah. it we're done and speaking of waking up often you know when howard and i go off on uh, the united states and trump and everything and how important that is to us because you made a good point there on um fighting over resources if the united states becomes an autocracy is that how you say it? autocracy mm-hmm. they could just come and take what you know i mean who's ever in power mm-hmm is now way more free to just come and take what they want from Canada, like fresh water. Yeah. Right, right. And we've been talking about it for years and doing nothing. And, yeah. it, you know, look, the empires of the world already through business take over the world. China mm-hmm. basically owns Africa in terms of resources now. Mm-hmm. Right. They just went in and built highways for these. You know, we'll build you a highway. You'll give us our tax breaks. We have Jeff Bezos literally getting into a rocket that looks exactly like a penis mm-hmm. and almost going into space because he thinks that's because when you look at Don't Look Up, the movie, that's what they're parodying, that the very rich will say, I'm immune. And if worse comes to worse, yeah. I'll go live on another planet. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and and I don't know if you guys saw this. I don't even know. Again, this is going to be one of those stories that is sort of bubbling under, but we're going to be talking about it, which is this Saudi-backed $1 trillion glass edifice city somewhere in the desert where where really it's just going to be for rich people to go and live in once the rest of the planet becomes inhabitable. That's what it is. I know it seems like some kind of sci-fi thing, but when I saw the architecture, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. But uh, it's an architectural drawing of what this sort of long, thin... Mirror. <clears throat> they call it a mirror or something. The mirror. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know, Freddie, if you've seen this, but it's, again, it's a story that we're going to look back and go, oh, that's right. Back in 2022, they started talking about this because what made me think of it is rich people. Yeah. Rich people... Yeah, aren't, aren't invested in, in, mm-hmm. in saving the planet. They're invested in saving themselves. In the Hamilton Spectator a couple of days ago, the front page <clears throat> was about, you know, uh, great homes in Hamilton. This 30 room, 30,000 square foot house for sale in the Hamilton area. The Ben Murgy Mansion? Is that what you call it? Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> ben, Murder, ben Murders. <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing. We, we literally have been brought up to believe that success is private. Yes. It is the most you can amass for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if, as long as that's the way we're going to run this show, and if you can't make it morally, like conservatives truly believe that poverty is a moral issue. That you just didn't you just, you just didn't try hard enough. enough. That's right. You're right. And and so um, when he's asked, when Ford was asked about Ontario disability uh, pay, which is literally starvation money for people who are disabled, um, he said, well, you know, those who can work should work. That was his answer. Right. So uh, 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 I can't remember her name. She was a cabinet minister. She's not anymore from Ottawa. She, the best kind of uh, welfare is a job. 
What if the job is 40 hours a week at minimum wage, which is a poverty uh, wage? Right. Uh, so you're the working poor. Is that a job is is the best welfare? You know, I mean, people went on CERB and realized they'd been you know screwed around for the last 15 years and didn't return to their work because it was just like, what, what was I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, man, mm-hmm. uh, as yeah. always, we solve the big issues here. When Ralph Ben Murray joins us, not that kind of rabbi. Now, welcome, my friend Steve Glassman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, listen, we—it's always too short. Spiritual counselor, speaker, author, podcaster. Ralph Ben Murray joins us monthly. Uh, this is what it is. We just sit around trying to figure it out. We just kind of look to Ralph uh, to provide some answers. But I think the takeaway always, and, and again, I, I hope there's some hope in it because. You know, we're all in our 60s now and uh, elder cockers, as my people like to say. And, and we may, we're may we not going to be around to see the, this resolve in any way. And I find that frustrating. I find it. I think a lot of people find it. And, and not, a, again, a sense of failing or a sense of sadness around it all. But it's frustrating that we won't be around to see if it gets solved. But our kids and our kids' kids will. And they're going to be pissed at us. They're pissed now. All right. No, they are. You're Why right there. Why wouldn't it? Yeah, because they're w- well aware of what what's been created. Yeah. You know who Ralph Ben Murgy is as well, Freddie. Ralph was our Gig Sky guest of the day, and we're going to say goodbye, Ralph. Thank you, my mm-hmm. friend. Thanks, Ralph. Good to see you, Ralph. Uh, see you guys. Mazel toast, and uh, all the best to you, my brother. <laughs> all right. Take care. <laughs> all right. There's uh, Ralph Ben Murgy. And of course, uh, Gig Sky guest of the day. That means uh, you get your gig. You know, Spencer, child number two of mine, has been gig skying all over Europe. It's really cool. It's, they, you know, and I was talking to them, you know, just a little tiny hotspot. Everyone's got Wi-Fi. You know, you can get it. It's really simple. You just download it. You go to uh, Google. And you get the uh, for Android or iOS. And uh, it offers a 100% data plan. Maps, Uber, Instagram, WhatsApp, all of it. FaceTime. Gig Sky's got you covered. And uh, we've talked a little bit about this, but check out their travel rewards at gigsky.com slash travel rewards. Sign into your account. And it's 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 rental cars. It's uh, hotels and even events. And, and, and uh, you can just check it out at gigsky.com. Download the app today. Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. Gigsky.com for more information. Group insurance and employee benefits enjoyed by 30,000 Canadian businesses. That's the Chamber Plan. Go to chamberplan.ca today. Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. You can do this. Your small business can have a benefits package. It is possible. Take the time. Go to chamberplan.ca. You can get a free quote today. Find out exactly how this is possible. We're talking prescriptions and dental and travel insurance, uh, therapies, all depending the level that you buy in. Uh, Listen, it's a great thing to do for your employees. Can you imagine that? No benefits, and then all of a sudden you walk in one day and say, hey, kids, look what we've done for you. It really is a great way uh, to boost morale at the workplace. It just is. Uh, Chamberplan.ca. I, uh, okay, Dan, I've just done what you've said. Hope, let me see if that sounds better. Dan Duran is sending me notes about our... You know, we're a little off. We haven't done the show in a couple of weeks. Levels are different. I was telling Dan when he called me last night that on uh, Saturday... And let me just, again, back up and preface this by, you know, I... I was up at your place for a few days, and I was covered in mosquito bites. 
Mm-hmm. It's not a joke, and I and, I, and I'm I hate mm-hmm. being that weird. guy. It is weird. Mm-hmm. And we're all sitting around the same fire, and I've got a long sleeve. I'm wearing pants, a long sleeve hoodie, and I'm just being enveloped by these mosquitoes. But Saturday, I got stung by something, and it mm-hmm. I could just it it sort of uh, I was saying to Dan, it kind of it wasn't a mosquito; it was like a bug of some kind, and it jumped up and it bit me under the neck right here. Okay, and it's probably it's, a wasp. Might have been because it mm-hmm. stung right away. Like I could feel it. Like that's why I said yeah, to Dan, getting, it was, it's getting into wasp season. Mm-hmm. Well, I got like a. It's gone down now, and you can't really see it. But a, mm-hmm. the underside of my neck was like a goiter for the last three days. Like mm-hmm. I and I said, you know, the first couple of days, day, first day, it didn't bother me, and all of a sudden Sunday, I started to swell up, swell up. <laughs> fucking mosquitoes or whatever it was, and I get a reaction to it. Like, like a goiter or whatever, like a mosquito goiter. <laughs> well, I get, when I get uh, bitten by a wasp, I puff up like crazy. And I'm not allergic to them, but it's on, and I haven't had it in a few years, but I had a couple. Uh, Did you have one on your elbow once or something? I remember once I there was an unsightly, yeah, bit your hand, it got all swollen. Up, yeah, yeah. my lip and I blew up. And I was concerned. I thought, am I allergic? Could I die through this? But apparently not. Anyway, that's my report about that. Uh, Kyle mm-hmm. Kirby has joined us for the first time in a couple of weeks. We uh, often fail to let Kyle know when we're off. I apologize. Is this, this going to be your last appearance? Are you close to done? I am officially done. Wow. I've got my hours. So are you going to send us something? we got a sign or something? You know, how does it work? Yeah, I've just basically got to log my hours on this sheet, and then you guys confirm all that's good to go. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's like a little um, thing saying, you know, how well I've done in different oh, sections. Okay, yeah. We should come up with a Humble and Fred quiz. Maybe for next week I'll do this. Mm-hmm. Five questions. Okay. Just let me think. Just so mm-hmm. it, I mean, for one more appearance, if, see if you could answer five questions about the Humble and Fred show. Would you would you think you could pass a humble and Fred quiz? I think I might be able to. Well, what were you going to say, Freddie? Uh, no, no, no. I was no more or less what you the same same idea. What you're talking about? How well you know the show, and you leave you know um, having worked how many hours around it? One hundred and sixty. Yeah. How many? One hundred and sixty. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we should have a pretty good idea. Of what's you going think on you the would? Show. Yeah. You think you would. Um, you know what? Kyle did produce something I thought was very clever. And this is because uh, oftentimes Kyle, uh, in his time with us, has produced funny little things, you know, trailers and such. But this is uh, the life of Kyle is what this is called, Fred. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get caught up on what Kyle's been doing. And this is an audio representation of Kyle's life for for the last, what, couple of weeks, a month? Give or take, yeah, a few weeks. All right, so here it is, Life of Kyle. Hey, guys. I know it's been a while since you've heard from me. Uh, Here's a quick recap of my last couple of weeks. Anyways, uh, I'm in Tijuana and need 800,000 pesos, or they said I lose my tongue. 
Thanks, guys. <laughs> That's very clever. So that was all just made up. Yeah. Or did you get much. Did you get married? No, no, no. Oh, that was okay. just a bunch of BS. Mm. <laughs> Look at Kyle doing some bits. Very well done, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. We don't. We don't have to come to your graduation, do we? I don't even know if I'm going to my graduation. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Because we I, didn't we go to Phil Hong's, Howard? Uh, I think so. Uh, maybe. Yeah. It was hot remember. and uncomfortable. I, I do believe. Did I? I recall seeing him run up onto the stage, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Well, I'm going to take your word for it. I don't recall. <laughs> I have no recollection of that event. I'm kind of waiting for Dan Duran to come say goodbye to Kyle. What's he saying now? Uh, as back up just a slight bit. As I a bit. What, what is? Oh, back up again. Oh, I know. Jesus Christ, Dan. Um, Dan, just sign in and say goodbye to Kyle. And then we'll do Dan Duran's news, uh, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Kyle, thanks what very much. What about the moving story? Well, I'll get, we don't need Kyle for that. No, I know. I'm saying you... Yeah. I'm going to do it. Okay, good. There's two things. I was, I was helping a friend move, which was just insane. I'm 62. He's 64. It wasn't a lot, though. Mm-hmm. Well, here comes Dan Duran. I'll tell you after we say goodbye to Kyle. Kyle, are you going to miss us? Because we're, uh, you know, we're just going to be, we're, we're only going to be around for the next 20 years or so. So, Hey, I'm still, I still follow you guys on Facebook, you know? So every time, you know, you go live, I'll see it pop up. All right. I'm well, you guys. if you, you want to come back here. next Tuesday, just for one last uh, thing, we'll give you the Humble and Fred quiz, okay? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> see if you can come up with any Humble and Fred answers. One more time, Kyle. Thanks very much. Dan, do you have anything to say to Kyle? Uh, no, congratulations on making it through all that, all those hours. And, uh, you know, you show some promise there. i got to yeah. say that. There is some promise of, uh, you know, future broadcasting talent. Thank you. I uh, really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a great voice, and he, you know, did a bunch of stuff, and we appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate everything you guys have offered to me, and the whole experience has been great, so... Best of luck with everything, and uh, thanks. Oh, okay, you're if you, a good lad. Yeah, you're a good <laughs> lad. And if you show up next Tuesday, we'll have the Humble and Fred quiz. But you don't have to. It's an option, okay? Okay. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> you. Take care now. That's Kyle Kirby, and who knows, maybe the last time we see him. How's the mic sounding to you now, Dan? Is it back okay? Is it everything all right? I, uh, I'm just trying to get the balance between you no, and Fred and guests and stuff, so it's, it's getting there, I think. So I have a friend of mine who has uh, just moved to a different place, uh, and uh, I was talking to Fred, I don't know, Thursday or something, and he said, what are you doing tomorrow? So I'm helping my friend move. He's like, what? <laughs> That's what he said. He's like, what? <laughs> what? I said, I know. It's just a couple of things. Anyway, I ended up doing it and it wasn't hard. We, you know, it wasn't, we moved a couple of bigger items, but there was four of us helping. There was, uh, he and I and his daughter who's stronger than both of us. And anyway, so it was fine. I didn't hurt myself, but it is a weird concept for men in their sixties to be humping furniture. Yeah, I don't know what that age is, yeah. but it's uh, far from uh, 62. <laughs> That's right. Um, where you no longer ask your buddy to help you move. Well, he didn't really ask me. I offered. 
I said, yeah, listen, if you need some help. I said, what were you thinking? I don't know. I was hoping he'd say, he'd say no. Exactly. <laughs> right. You don't say yes. If a 62-year-old man offers to help you move, you say no. Unless you're 64. Yeah, it's just, you know, because we've discussed this, too, about, you know, the older you get, the uh, recovery is a little harder and longer and. Last thing, especially you, with the way you were involved in golf and the know. tournaments, I'm I thinking, know. why would he want to go and now and lift a dresser? I don't know. And like pull something or exactly. your shoulder, sidelined. So that was Friday. Yeah. But what I didn't tell you, and this is the part that I, because I was talking to you actually after the incident. Maybe I was mm-hmm. talking to you Friday morning. Right. And I didn't, I omitted this part because I didn't want to, I wanted to save it to get your reaction. Mm. So Thursday night, Charlie comes over, I made dinner, we had a lovely time. And then after, we were going to go to the Dairy Queen for, uh, she was going to, she had a blizzard, I had a dip cone. You guys like dip cones? I fucking love dip cones. Um. Dairy Queen, I like the uh, peanut buster parfait, but yeah, I like dip cones. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I'm gonna, I I trying to think. You don't like dip cones, Dan? No, I don't like the. I don't like the chocolate falling all over the place. It and does then, do that. I know. And then, mm-hmm. and then the the liquid, uh, you know, whatever's underneath the chocolate is turned to liquid, and then you get the chocolate off, and the liquid dribbles down. Yeah, no. You know what? Like, Descri- if you're gonna have one of the cone, just have the cone. Described know? perfectly. Here's when they lost me in the dip cone world. Is when they went to the butterscotch. It never lived up to its promise. I felt. <laughs> There was a butterscotch? Yeah, they did like a butterscotch version of the dip cone, and I felt Uh that it was lacking. Anyway, Mm. so we're about to leave, and Charlie says, because there was a time when I was a snowboarder, a wakeboarder. I even had a longboard. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's a skateboard, a little longer skateboard Mm -hmm. that you can kind of sort of, you know, you you ride it a little bit more like a snowboard, less like a, a skateboard. So Charlie goes, oh, long enough to take a nap on. (laughs) That's right. It's almost long enough to take a nap on. Anyway, they called it a longboard. And Charlie says, Daddy, do you know where mine is? I said, yeah, it's right here in the garage. And as we're leaving, and again, remember, this is the kid that I used to go snowboarding and wakeboarding and longboarding with. And she says to me, because I have a nice, you know, asphalt in my my parking lot behind them. She says, Daddy, why don't you take it for a little spin? Hmm. And daddy says to himself, sure, this is the night before I'm going to help the guy move the night before the weekend of my of another three day golf tournament that I'm going to play. So for some reason, I'm wearing flip flops. I get on the board Mm. and it's been a while. Remember, this is something I used to do. Right. But 62 year old version of me gets on the board and I'm not bullshitting you in a split second. I. It shoots forward. I fall backwards. Back, neck, elbow, shoulder, all of it. Bam. I get a little bit of whiplash. And Charlie comes running. She's like, Daddy, Daddy, are you okay? And I'm on the ground. And I'm saying, no. (laughs) (laughs) Call the authority. No, call somebody. (laughs) Now, you know what? I just felt so stupid. And and we go to, like, I could immediately, my neck was, you know, like that kind of, you know what it was? It was more of the tension of your body tensing up as it falls onto the pavement. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I didn't tell you that because I thought, oh, uh, helping the guy move would be enough. Well, I'm suffering right now with a bit of a shoulder. It's a muscle issue I'm having right now. And 
Dan Duran is partly to blame for it. Um, because when you want to clean your decking up here, yeah. Dan, uh, Dan doesn't believe in the power washing. He's got this... He's got this broom with really strong bristles, and he, you should scrub it. Get it, wet, get it wet, and then just literally scrub it clean. And when he does it, his stuff looks beautiful. looks brand new. But he's a big, strong man, and he's not impatient. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> the so Sunday, Sunday here, right? I get up here, and I start going at my deck with the, with the scrubber brush, and I've been paying for it ever since. Like, just this whole muscle across the top of my back. It's better. Each day it's getting a little bit better. And, and you, to be clear, you wanted to power wash it, but Dan doesn't believe in that? I did power wash the corners, but he's right because it can make it, like, fuzzy or burry or create um, splinters. He's right. And then sometimes if you do that, then you have to sand it. But And I totally agree because the way he does his stuff, looks it looks fabulous but he stays on top of it of course yeah of course and does it like every year like his dock looks brand new and it's been there for years and years and years and mine isn't nearly as old and you know you get all the pollen and all the stuff off the trees on it it builds up quite quickly caterpillar poop but at least your at least your injury came as a result of doing something responsible yes i guess yes as soon as i fell uh, and and for and we went and had the dip cone, and then Charlie dropped me off, and I sort of sat there, and I took a, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm a... You start to worry, thinking, what's this going to feel like tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I'm, I'm yeah. 100%. Uh-huh. I literally yeah. started thinking, you know, and I felt stupid, because it's, you know, I... I, I'm like, why would I do that? And I, that's why I said, Charlie felt so bad. I said, you know, why would I do that? And I, at first, of course, I was blaming her. I said, why would you do that? Why would you <laughs> ask me to do that? But I'm like, I didn't have to get on that stupid board. We were about to get in the car. And I just paused for a second to do a little toot around the parking lot. And within seconds, plus the thing was, again, it was shot into the all the way from my back door, guys, onto the street next to the thing. Like, it was, mm-hmm. it was ridiculous. Well, you know, a week ago Saturday, a bunch of us, there's a guy with a swim-up bar here, and a bunch of us were around it, and then they decided to go tubing, and then they said, Freddie, do you want to go tubing with us? And I thought, that might not be a bad idea. It's not skiing. I'll just get in the tube and whip around the lake. And then as the co- as the conversation unfolded, they said, yeah, you'll probably get thrown off. And I'm thinking, how bad can that be? I should do it, just do it for fun, but you know what? common sense got the better of me i said no guys it's as fun as that sounds i am not gonna do it because i thought all you know we'd tip over and i'd skim across the water and probably <laughs> wrench something and then right. be suffering for weeks it's true so i said no i you know, said no. i endorse that because like it's the diminishing returns i would love i was saying this to charlie i would love to go snowboarding i really would i loved it just the same way that you would have loved to water ski. It's something that you really enjoyed. But I don't think I'm going to do that ever again. I know that sounds dumb, but I just, for all the reasons you've outlined, I don't want to get injured. And by the way, just to finish the snowboard, uh, the, web, the longboard thing, I feel fine. I was a bit sore for a couple of days. My upper back and my neck was a bit sore, but altogether it could have been way worse. Mm-hmm. 
could have broke something. Why, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What don't you guys think? That if you're pulling back from everything, then, yes. then you know, you're going to atrophy your... No, 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 no. no. Here, here's the thing, though, Dan. If you continue doing... Like, if I had continued water skiing all through the years, like a few times a year, that's different. But when you shut it down and then get back to it... It's just, you're, you're playing with fire. There's other things you can do. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, I'm physically active. Obviously, I walk a lot, I, and I'm, I work out. And, and, but there are things that I used to do mm-hmm. that I, you know, like I, we were up at the lake. I was talking to your neighbor, uh, the shirtless guy. What's his name? Andrew. Andrew. Andrew yeah. It's a pretty funny guy. Just has his shirt off the entire summer. Good guy. I was yeah. talking to him. He's got a... a, a boat i you know an earlier version of myself could have said hey could you take me for a let me wait because he's got a wakeboard there i was looking yeah. at it but just just what you said i haven't done it in a few years and i just know right. like you can hurt mm-hmm. yourself doing it and i don't need that anymore in my you life. know it's such a weird thing because you know dan you're right the resignation is really hard to accept yeah but just being sensible and using common sense, it just, you can't be, like, I would love to water ski just one more time. You know, if they could come up with this thing where it holds you in place. <laughs> <laughs> like a walker version. A walker right. version. A walker walk. skiing. Just to have, have that feeling of being out there. <laughs> going over the wake just one more time, That's I would love great. it. I or can't. if they could find a way we could wrap mm. you in some kind of bubble wrap so that yeah. you wouldn't hurt yourself. <laughs> um, I think this is a lively discussion, and we can continue it, but first... Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as fast for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now, live from Lakeside, the man who does uh, so much for us, not just uh, with the news, but technically and, of course, morally, he is the compass that this program uh, looks to to guide us spiritually. Oh, yeah. And in so many ways here with the news is Don DeRue. Fast foods are bad for you. Uh-oh. Shocking news. I know. Uh, now we all heard, you know, those those great foods like hot dogs, sausages, burgers, french fries, sodas, cookies, cakes, candies, donuts, ice cream are really not good for you. But a new study on ultra-processed food will rot your brain. Uh-oh. Uh, yes, I mean, really what I mean here is cognitive decline, the more scientific version of rot your brain. Ultra-processed foods are defined as uh, uh, foods like industrial protein isolates that contain little or no 
whole foods and typically include flavorings, colorings, emulsifiers, and other cosmetic attitudes, mm-hmm. uh, additives rather. So they uh, they put uh, they did this long study and found out. They also say that more study needs to be done. But people who consumed more than twenty percent of daily calories from processed food, mm-hmm. so like uh, if you are having a meal like a 2000 calorie meal and you have a, a 400 anything more than 400 uh, calories worth of processed foods which could be you know an ice cream bar it could be like a you know something uh, you know fries out of a fast food joint or something anyway if you consume more than 20% uh, entire the entire daily caloric intake from processed food those people had a 28% faster decline in global cognition and executive functioning yeah, I'm, so just, you're I'm not in as trouble. Smart as you are, I'm in trouble, man. I mean, a lot of process. Well, the last, I'd say, the last month, I have uh, eaten more processed food than I had in the first six months of the year because of being out and about, and uh, the convenience of grabbing this and that. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm definitely gaining some weight. I don't know about you guys in the summer, but I'm up a few pounds from my noom. Mm-hmm. You know, my best noom days, I'm uh, in the 183s. I was in the 178s to 180s, so now I'm in the 183s mm-hmm. and 4s sometimes before I have my sit-down. <laughs> no, I, my, yeah. I, I was actually hit 173 the other day, which is up a couple for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was 184. Got to watch it. Yeah. Fifty-eight percent of calories uh, are fast food, uh, ultra-processed foods in uh, in the United States. Fifty-six uh, in the, in the UK, and forty-eight percent of calories consumed by Canadians were ultra-processed foods. Mm-hmm. So we our, our our you know national diet is a little bit high, I'd say, in, in the ultra-processed stuff. Oh, I, although I did read something promising the other day. I was reading, I forget. I went went into this nutrition rabbit hole and age and BMI and all that. And it said, for people in their 60s, you're better off being a little overweight than a little underweight. Yeah, I can see that. No, they, they said it's important. So your BMI in your 60s, if you're even like dipping into the overweight, don't worry about it because it's healthier than being below. Really? Why would that? Yeah. Be? So I had a burger. It's a punchline, Frederick. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I think women that lose too much weight as they age don't look as good, I find. Um, And men, obviously, with too much weight, it can age you. But in in a way, uh, for women with too little weight, it ages them. Well, guys, too, if you see thin guys in their 60s, they don't look like gaunt, I mean. No, I know what you mean. Well, you know, it's funny because both of my kids, like a couple months ago when I was at my lowest, which Mm -hmm. was about 176 or 177, both of them were like, I think you've, you know, is that weird kind of thing where I think you've lost too much weight. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt a little bit. It just, you know, I, it, it was weird for me to be that thin. But I have definitely noticed it creeping back because that's what it does. It creeps up on you. You know what my wife did yesterday? She had read this thing, so she made it, you know, how you make a grilled cheese. Well, what she did is she took the bread and she put peanut butter, sliced banana, and a little bit of milk chocolate, and then fried it in a frying pan. Nice. <laughs> I ate just over half, about three quarters of one. And it was like, you know, that feeling like that sickly feeling you get when it's just too much stuff. 
It was good. I was going to say, was it too Don't delicious? A, yeah. It was really good, but it was after one of those things, once you eat it, you go, oh, why did I eat that? Mm. Yeah, I get it, man. So you know, that was like, a dessert, a, a new dessert. <laughs> no, it was just, or? that's what no, you had was, for lunch? It was just, a, she had read it. She thought, I'm going to try this. And at first she did it without the chocolate and it needed a little bit something. Right. A little bit of sweetness or something. So she just sprinkled a little bit of milk chocolate on it. That's okay. But it was, um, a kid would love it. Dan, do you have any other stories here? Because we have, uh, we have time. Oh, do we? Well, well yeah, because uh, we haven't done a show in a while, and people are I like... I do have another story, but I did want to mention that... Uh, did you notice the passing of Nicole... Nicole... Uh, um, Nichols? The... Uh, no. Remember her? Who? From Star Trek. Who's that? Oh, the woman. The woman. The woman. Yeah. Ahura. What? Michelle she Nichols. was not. She was not. What? Ahura. Ahura. <laughs> she passed... I did not know that. Yes. I did not know that. So there's not many left in the original Star Trek uh, crew there that are still alive. I think it's uh, William Shatner still on the go. The Spock is gone. Died. And, and uh, Spock is gone, yeah. Yeah, Shatner refuses to die. Mm-hmm. Right. He preserved himself one of the episodes, I'm sure. Georgie's still around, too, right? George Takai. George Takai yeah, still Takai around. Still yeah. yeah. How old would uh, Ohura have been? Uh, <laughs> How old was that Ohura? <laughs> oh, great. Daniel. It's the not proper rever- reference. Reverence. Yeah, okay, but how old what was she? I don't know, 90 or something. Not the proper reference for old Hura. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know 90 or something? Can't you quickly look it up? I'm looking it up now. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how old she was either. But she, I'll tell you, I read some wonderful, sweet, um, glowing tributes to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, well, I didn't know she was dead, but I, I have read about her. And uh, if you think about what Gene Roddenberry, the guy that created Star Trek, did... This was the late '60s, so you've got yes. a, a Russian. This, this is on the bridge of the of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. You've got the captain, of course, a white guy. He has to be in charge. Mm-hmm. But Michelle Williams, a black woman, in a role of significance. Mm-hmm. The whole point of Star Trek, or the end, the, the idea was that all these different communities—Asian, Russian, mm-hmm. uh, female—so she it, it broke a lot of barriers. Her role on that show. It's similar to how Dan has broken barriers by his role on this show. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why she was being applauded. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, there was like the first uh, multiracial kiss on Star Trek. Yes, I was going to say. Right. Yeah. She yeah. kissed, yeah. Um, uh, what's his face? She, Shatner, uh, his character, uh, Kirk. But he, Kirk was fucking everybody on planets. Right. Near no, it, was, it was like a uh, an alien race controlled uh, like uh, humans like puppets, and they right. forced those two to kiss. Right, uh, and that just it, so it was a forced kiss, and neither of them wanted to do it. In you know, the acting never wanted to do it, but because they were coworkers, and uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, she's uh, she was eighty nine by the way. And what was her name again? Nicole Nic- Nichols. Nicole Nichols. Oh, Nichelle, Nichelle, not Nicole, Nichelle. Michelle Nichols. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, she passed away. I got 89 here. Yeah, that's what I just said. Did you say 89? I thought you said 87. No, I said 89. Okay. But, you know, in the area, like 90-ish. So. Yeah, I thought you said 88. <laughs> 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 All right, well. Hey, I got something for you guys. <laughs> What's that? You know, oftentimes uh, in my uh, observing of the world, I like to share some of the things I think of with you two. Observances. And, uh, observances. And uh, I'm not sure has this ever come up on the show. I know because we've talked a lot about, you know, I do a lot of restaurant dining and takeout dining. And, uh, you know, I've talked about how I don't like to tip at the counter. Right. Well, what are you making that face for? You're making a f- I thought you wanted to interrupt. You're looking at your phone. No, I, I've got one other thing to do and I'm just getting it. Okay. Oh, the... Uh, Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was intently listening. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, no. I, I sometimes. I no. I just thought it was a visual cue. He wanted to. He just got his. I know what you've got. You've got your uh, Bodog copy there. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So okay. now you're you're uh, we're, we're you're in line at a takeout food, and you don't want to give a tip. I don't That's like giving tips at takeout. If I pick up the food, I'm. Ba- you should tip me. Right. That's what I think. Okay. But yeah, I've it. told you guys that before. But uh, I've noticed this phrase has become uh, part of the uh, culture. And it is interesting how these phrases come up. You know, for a years ago, a few years ago, it was, uh, it is what it is. Everyone was saying that. Before that, it was at the end of the day. And now there's this thing that they say in restaurants. And I'm not sure if you guys are getting a clue yet. They, they say it all the time. In fact, uh, when Fred and I had uh, dinner with our buddy Mike from uh, Buffalo before the uh, Jays game. And it's this. You, they serve you the food. And then they come back a few seconds later. And what do they say? They say, how are the first few bites tasting? People never used to say that in restaurants. Now, everybody says it. Hmm. How are the first few bites tasting? Have you ever heard that, Dan or Fred? I've never had that. I've had the how's your meal kind of thing, but mm. first few bites is not the free. That's the new one. That, that distinctly, how? Oh, absolutely. No, sir. Oh. Word for word. Mm. Okay, how are I'll the first? Along with the how are the, yes, it's not I even have. a bit. Mm. Well, it would, it would be a bit if it, you'd ever heard of it, but it's, I'll just say it now for information purposes. Mm. But I just wonder what they're looking for. How much description are they looking for? Well, the first couple of bites were okay. The third bite, uh, I took a, a, had a taste of Fred stuff. The fourth bite, I sneezed, so I couldn't get a good. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the fifth bite. I mean, how many how many bites do you need to know? The fifth bite I found a little bit uh, salty. Yeah, you've never well, heard that phrase. How are the first few bites tasting? No, Jesus H I, Christ. Where I had dinner up here last night, the girl came back and asked how things were, and yeah. I had to be honest with her. And it was called a power bowl. Have you ever been to Freshie? You know, when you yeah, have the course. rice and all the vegetables yep, yep. and everything. Love it. But it usually comes with some hot sauce and a good squeeze of lime on it. But I guess Peterborough, they it's sort of lost in the, you know, <laughs> that concept is lost up here or something. Anyway, it came and it was really fresh and delicious as far as the vegetables go. But it came with no lime, right? And the, uh, what's that herb you often have with? A cilantro dip. But it just wasn't enough. And it wasn't hot at all. So... Twice when she came back and said, how was it? I had to say to her, you got some hot sauce? Uh, do you have a little bit of lime? She didn't, it didn't come with it. Uh-huh. Thought, that's odd because that's just, that's a no brainer with those Power Bowls, right? Yeah, well, for sure. Usually they are. Yeah. It's just part of it. 
anyway, she sort of took it a bit personally, I could tell. And we, and Delisa at one point said, it's not your fault. It's just, you know, this is the way we like it. And, and it just didn't come with it. Oh, my goodness. But but I was I was generous with the tip at the end because she was a student. So, And, and generous by generous, do you mean like 10% or... <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's generous and there's Patterson generous. Oh, I'm come kidding. On. Come on, that's Don't bullshit. Don't be a prank. Don't be a prank. Hey, mm-hmm. Dan, when you're having sex, do you ever say, "How are the first few bites tasting?" <laughs> right. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, hey, listen. Maybe I, I can tell you right now. There are, if there are people listening, that they've heard that phrase, and it okay. has become part of the dining experience. And again, I, I admit, I know I, you know, I'm certainly dine out more than you fellas, but uh, it is interesting how it's just sort of all is how now worked its way into the vernacular of the experience, which is to, and it's it's very specific. How are the first few bites tasting? Hmm? <laughs> so when that uh, happens, now get, you'll know. Yeah. I don't get the point. Okay. When you're eating out, like, do you think you're? What do you? What's your percentages on eating in and eating out and eating takeout in? That makes sense. Dan, it would. It's horrible. It's horrifying. You know, I basically have uh, breakfast every day here. I'll make breakfast for myself, and if I'm around, I'll prepare a lunch of some kind. But I would say, out of seven nights, uh, I get takeout food or I have prepared food, and it's not always takeout. You know, I'm not talking Wendy's. I mean, like. No. You know, jerk chicken from, you know, All Winds or something. Or I'll go, you to, go to All Winds. That's like, I tell you, Howard, that's like home. Well, yeah. So that's, I'll ha- that's the way they make it at home. Exactly. So you. I have that kind of food many, many nights. Mm-hmm. An embarrassing amount of nights. Okay, Dan? Okay. Just ask. I don't Just have a commu- I don't live in a commune like you guys. Uh, fellowship and people and, you know, having your m- meals together. I don't have that luxury. <laughs> we had a nice one the other night. I brought this. A beautiful T-bone steak over, and Dan had some lamb chops, and we put put it all together, and had some. I made some carrots and a big onion, and Dan made some lovely potatoes and a caprese salad, and we enjoyed each other's company while dining. Yeah, by see, the there you go. I don't have that. I got uh, I got me and some kimchi pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, watch a movie in my sad little home. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, that's right, Dan. Wow! Wow! Well, I'm 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 sorry. For yeah, you should feel sorry for me. For <laughs> hey. or your loss. Yeah, it is. I have nothing. Fire up Todd Rundgren's. We got to get you a woman. Mm. Speaking of which, I saw this on my uh, chat this morning. This you're gonna fucking love this. Fred's going to love this. Somebody just posted the next James Bond movie will be made to satisfy the woke brigade. Bond will start off as a man and will transgender to it. Will trans and will transgender to a woman. And the film will be called cock to pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Cock to pussy. (laughs) That's great. I love that. That's right. Fantastic. Cock to pussy. (laughs) Um, all right, Justin, before we go, you better tell everyone uh, about our friends at, uh, at hey, Bodog. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker or casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leaning odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room. 
To their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. And again, you can play it all. Uh, baseball heading up to the playoffs, the trade deadlines this afternoon. That's going to change the odds on who could win the World Series based on the transaction uh, transactions that take place. Exciting times. Uh, Bodog. Yeah, man. No, it's good that, you know, there's a couple of retired guys sitting around, you know. Hey, I'll bring a little bit of this. I'll bring a bit of that. I get it, man. That, uh, and he made us some espressos, and we finished it off with a Jesus. dash of scotch, and it was nice. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't. It was uh, Irish whiskey, proper 12. Delicious. All right, all right. Well, sounds fantastic. I'm so jealous because it's beautiful. That, I was telling Dan last night on the phone that those uh, shrimps and that we had that night were amazing. Great meals. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah. If you want, Howard, you can always we, we can always do a Zoom call and you know eat dinner together that way. I right? would love that. Yeah. And so, you know what you, you could know. do? You could ask me how are the few, first few bites tasting. <laughs> <laughs> how are those first? Few? How are those? How are the first few bites of your takeout yeah. f- uh, Korean food tasting? I had some yeah. really nice Korean food last night. Bilbogi, 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 whatever. I love it. You know, below love Korean food, yeah. Yeah, I do love Korean food. What is Korean food? That's from Korea, friend. That's no, I get that. But what makes it different than like Thai food well, or Chinese then, yeah, food? All kinds of different stuff they've okay. got. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's why I'm well, asking. You know, it's the you different. Said, what, what is it? Guy's boogie. Guy's what boogie. <laughs> I think right. it's called Bill Boggy. I can't. Bill Oggy. Oh, Bill, Bill Boggy. Won't you come home, Bill Boggy? <laughs> Um, you know, kimchi pancakes, uh, Korean short ribs I like. Uh, they got their own kind of ramen. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's two places down the street here. Again, you know, it's not Wendy's. It's uh, one place called Chaban. Chaban! And uh, another one's called Don Chon or something like that. That's where I went last night. Mm-hmm. I had a nice kimchi pancakes. And some of it, they also uh, do some uh, hot plate kind of stuff. Yep. Bring it to your table yep. and do some hot plate stuff on... Yeah. Oh, sounds I, great. I'm not a fan of the Korean barbecue experience where you go and cook the meal yourself. I find that ridiculous. Uh, but, uh, yeah, some people like it. What about where they cook it for you right in front of you? Are you all right with that? That's not Korean food, though. That's uh, Japanese, Japanese food. Japanese. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I haven't done that. What about that time. process? Does that aggravate you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't done it for a while. <laughs> what gets me is the way the guy always flips around the salt and pepper. Like, they yeah, all yeah. can do that. It's like, okay, I've seen that. Like, yeah, yeah. spare me that. Clack, clack, clack. Throw it up in the air. Anyway. I, my buddy Howard can juggle. I'm not impressed. Shouldn't be. I'm trying to remember where I ate the other night where uh, the food wasn't very good. And I'm trying to remember why I ate there. It was some golf thing. It might have been a golf thing. Yeah, it was a golf thing. That's right. I was in Sarnia. And a bunch of us went out for dinner. And it was a pretty nice restaurant. But it's one of those dishes, I, you know, Freddie, it was like they, they just got the sauce wrong. It was... Uh, mm. You know, one of those salt where it was too sweet, but they don't. It was fancy enough restaurant where they don't give you salt and pepper, right? They oh. they offer pepper, and mm. they asked if how the first few bites were tasting, mm-hmm. but the sauce was a bit on the sweeter side, and I, uh, I don't know. So again, not every not every dining out experience is uh, is all that great. Mm-hmm. What did they? What did you say when they asked you how were the first few bites? I lied and said it was fine. I didn't want to get into a thing. 
I didn't want to do the game. Yeah, I don't want to be like, well, it could have been a little less uh, syrupy. All right, friends. Well, listen, uh, we're going to do a show tomorrow. That's Wednesday. Uh, we've got a couple next week. We're off again the following week. I know. Listen, let's not be all judgy, humble and Fred Hundy Peas. But then things start to uh, get a little bit more normal toward the end of August. We'll start to uh, ramp things up and we'll go back to. Uh, well, we haven't had an official meeting about this, but I'm I'm feeling like we're going to go back to four days a week. We have to. We can't hmm. we can't operate as a as a business. No, no, no. Absolutely. And what else is there to do four days a week? Right. When the summer season's over. So I look forward to this every day. You're not going to take one, another one away from me. No, <laughs> no you're God not. forbid. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, thanks to Ralph Ben Mergi. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow's program. Tony Clement will be our guest. Ooh. And it's going to be prickly because we've got some uh, Pierre Polyev questions. But at the same time, I have to address the fact that he's called me out on Twitter to go golfing with him and his uh, podcast partner. So I'm like, okay. Uh, Gol- golfing with him and who? Jody, the guy he does the podcast with. Oh, right. Okay. But I was going to say, why don't you come with me so that we can, you know, have the, you know, sort of social fun without getting mm-hmm. too political. But tomorrow... We're going to hold Tony's feet to the fire mm-hmm. and ask him the tough questions. Like, what's going on with this Polyev dude? I want him to explain that wood video to me. Yeah, yeah. It's got to. Like, what what <laughs> yeah. were they thinking? Like, really, what's the strategy? When that was in the planning stages and you thought this would be a good idea, what, what, what was the point? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, here's what, and, and the director, okay, Pierre, here's what we need you to do. We need you to <laughs> caress the wood. We need yeah. you to stroke it and talk about how <laughs> the house was built. And the, well, maybe we'll get, to, I'll grab the uh, wood audio and we can uh, yeah. talk to Tony about that. It was very mm-hmm. wood erotic. Yes, it was. It was wood porn. Yeah. Um, Dan, what will the rest of the day bring for you? For myself? Wow. I think I'm going to do a little yard work. Some stone work needs to be uh, re-level some stones. That kind of thing for the day today. Enjoy the, uh, the, the beautiful day that it's starting to be. The humidity is going to climb today. So I'm looking forward to all that. That's my day for the day. Well, that sounds fantastic. What about you? You're going to be on the golf course? No, no, no. Today's a day off. I got to oh. get. I got to get a few things. I got to buy some groceries. Charlie's coming over, dropping. I'm going to be babysitting her dog for the next uh, from now until the weekend. So I got to figure that out. So the dog is really very sweet, the little puppy. But uh, you know, it's another dog in the house, and it's sometimes, not always, but occasionally, will take a leak in the golf lab. So I have to figure out where oh. I'm going to. Shut things down. Mm. Rope it off for the dog, then. Yeah, maybe. Freddie, you okay over there, buddy? Did Freddie freeze? Freddie's frozen. I thought he was just staring off into space. (laughs) I did, too. (laughs) Did you not think that? (laughs) Just for a second. Like, for a second, I was like, oh, maybe he's deeply (laughs) thinking about this, what we're talking about. That's hilarious. I'm sure there's lots of people with Zoom calls that that every once in a while, one of the participants is there, and you go... Is that person listening? You, you look, <laughs> that's right. You look, you look hard to see if there's a blink of the eye or oh, whatever. That's yeah, that's exactly what so I was thinking about. He's gone now, Fred. I guess. Um, yeah. oh, he's done. When will you visit? You don't visit anymore ever since it was summer. Uh, you know, well, once summer starts to wane, expect wow. me a lot more. I would like to see you here in yeah. this home. 
because I enjoy our conversations. Be there a lot. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. uh, We'll get Fred back uh, tomorrow. That's really funny. Uh, And uh, thanks for uh, watching and listening. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, GoDaddy, and DraftKings. Email us at humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. Like and subscribe. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, like Howard said, it is confusing, but we are back tomorrow. So join us tomorrow. Tomorrow's the thing. Tomorrow. And enjoy every goddamn day. There's a destination a little up the road From the habitations and the towns we know A place we saw the lights turn low The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans and just clap your hands Or just clap your hands